Counselor. By name. He's called Counselor by name. Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government should be upon his shoulder, and his name should be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Aren't you glad, as we saw this morning, that Jesus is the one to whom we can turn for counsel, for advice, for direction? He'll always tell us the truth. He'll always speak from a heart of love. He knows the end from the beginning. He's the all-wise. He's the almighty. There's, there's none. There's none we should ever seek to for counsel above the Lord, before the Lord, instead of the Lord. So let's pray together. Father, help us tonight as we study the Bible together. Minister in our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There are... There are three ways of of thinking that we want to consider tonight. There's the Bible way, there's the world's way, and then there's the modern church way that is influenced almost entirely by the world's way. It It is the norm amongst saved people today to say to a friend, to a pastor, to a fellow church member, I'm going to set up some counseling. I'm going to ask the pastor if I can do some counseling. It's been recommended that I get some counseling. So I thought you might find this interesting. The word counsel is found 19 times in the New Testament. Five times counsel is God taking counsel with himself. It is the Trinity deciding on a certain course of action. One time, it is, refers to a man declaring God's counsel. What the Trinity decided when they took counsel together, a man declared it. Every other time in the New Testament the word counsel is used, it is used of men who are opposing God. Now, if we want to be biblical... What does the New Testament say about counsel? It says that man's counsel is against God's Word. That's just going by the Bible. Now, by contrast, in the New Testament, preach 44 times. Preacher, 4 times. Preaching, 58 times. Or, 26 times. Preached, 58 times. 132 times God makes reference to preaching, and it's all good. Now, if every reference to man giving counsel to another man in the New Testament is something opposed to God, and 132 times God makes reference to preaching, then what does it say to you when the modern Christian doesn't like preaching but wants to come to a a preacher for counseling. It tells you that the inclination of modern man, both inside and outside the church, is anti-biblical. That's what it tells you. In the New Testament, teach 33 times, teacher 4 times, teaching 23 times, taught 46 times. 106 times the Bible refers to teaching... God's Word to others. So, I have 138 times where God says somebody who knows the Bible is to have someone else sit and listen to them. And I have zero times when the Bible says, make special appointments so that a minister can sit and listen to your problems. I'm not, now, just look... Don't get offended before we... We're just getting started here. The reason people want to pay a counselor for a counseling session is because they get to talk about their problems. The reason they don't want to go to church and hear a preacher teach the Bible is because they don't want to hear the Word of God. It really is that simple. Now... It wouldn't take 
but three sermons to teach every husband what the Bible says he is supposed to do to be a good husband. After those three sermons are preached, we could meet together once a week for an hour and discuss your maladjustment and your poor upbringing and your latent problems because of your father being a bad husband to your mother and all the rest of that. But all of that is stalling while you decide whether or not you're going to do what the Bible says. And until you do what the Bible says, all the counseling in the world is not going to make you a better husband. It doesn't matter how many sessions you pay for with a Ph.D. uh, educated Christian counselor. When you go in for the first meeting and say to your female Christian counselor, do you believe that a wife is to be subject to her husband in all things? When she says, well, no, that's... Why would you pay for ungodly counsel? She doesn't believe the Bible. So you're going to pay somebody to reinforce your opposition to the Word of God, which is why you're having trouble to start with. Because you're living in opposition to the Word of God. It it doesn't take long to learn through preaching what the Bible says. It might take a lifetime to learn how to apply what the Bible says. But by finding someone to feel sorry for me and tell me why it's okay for me to not be obeying the Bible is not helpful. It It might make you feel better about your disobedience, but it won't help you be more obedient. And this is why yours truly, Brother James, should be on display in a museum as a dinosaur, an ancient relic of a bygone day. Because I'm going to keep preaching the Word of God and teaching the Bible to a nation full of saved people who care about one thing and only one thing, how I feel. And the reason you feel so crummy is you're a rebel against God. And you're not going to feel any better until you get right with God. Well, that didn't make me feel good. (laughs) And I can't cope with that. All right, so having said that, let's turn in the Bible to the verses that are so often used... No, so often misused. Proverbs chapter 11. We'll go there. Proverbs chapter 11. And verse number 14. Jesus is our counselor. So if you get someone to counsel you, and their counsel is not pointing out to you what the counselor said, then your counselor, human, is in opposition to your counselor, Jesus Christ, and you're only going to be more confused when you're finished with your counseling session than you were when you started, because now you have conflicting authorities giving you conflicting advice and instruction information. So, Proverbs 11 says, and I could read it to you if I wasn't in Isaiah 11, Proverbs chapter 11, that's a disorder by the way, I'll show you in a minute. Proverbs 11, verse 14. Where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. So, I got married. I had some trouble in my marriage. And I went to the preacher, and I didn't like what he said. But you know, in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. So I went to the assistant pastor, and he was also a, 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 you know, a chauvinist and, and lacked understanding. And he wasn't really hearing what I was trying to say. And, and he said the same thing the pastor said. But I, I, kept, I kept looking. And eventually I found like five or six people that agreed with me that I should do what I wanted to do even though it went against the Bible. And you know, after all, in a multitude of counselors, there's safety. 
Look, if you want to get drunk and you go to a bar and ask 20 drunks if you should get drunk, you've received a multitude of counsel. But there's got to be more to it than just asking a bunch of people for their opinion. Proverbs 24, verse number 5 says, Proverbs 24, I'm sorry, verse 6, Proverbs 24, 6. For by wise counsel thou shalt make thy war, and in multitude of counselors there is safety. Okay, now, what's our context here? It's a man going to war. Okay, so, if I was, if I was preparing to go to war, I would not get a bunch of future generals and send them to West Point and study modern French military tactics. Because French and losing wars are synonymous. Right? For sale. French military arsenal. Weapons never fired. Dropped once and surrender. You know, it's... <laughs> I saw this sign. It was, it was a sign that said, it said um, welcome, welcome Nazis to Paris. Hope you find your rooms just as you left them. <laughs> it's, it's like, anyway. Now, if I, if I was having trouble in my home, the last place I'd go for counsel are people who dropped out of church and had their marriage fall apart. The last place I'd go for counsel are people who have no friendships and can't maintain relationships. The fact that you sought out a multitude of counsel doesn't fulfill the verse. If you want to win a war, you ask people who won wars how they won the wars. If you want to find out how to have a good life, you don't seek out a bunch of low-life losers. You seek out people who are living victorious lives. This is why. Proverbs 21. Proverbs chapter 21. My wife, she says, you know, sometimes you sound angry. And I talk to people and I say, sometimes you sound angry. I'm angry. I am angry when, when boys and girls become teenagers and their godly mother says don't do that and their godly father says don't do that and their godly Sunday school teachers say don't do that and their godly pastor says don't do that and they say, well, all my friends say there's nothing wrong with it. I'm angry. You're following the counsel of losers who are going to turn you into a loser. How can I not be upset about that? I care about you. It's frustrating. Proverbs 21, verse 30 says, There is no wisdom, nor understanding, nor counsel against the Lord. So, I'm all for a multitude of counselors. As long as every one of them is counseling me to obey the Lord. As long as every one of them is opening the Bible, showing me what the Bible says, and telling me to do what's in the Bible. And I don't, look, in order to do what the Bible says, I don't need to go under hypnosis and, and recover my regress, or my repressed memories of childhood disappointments. I just need to do what it says. It's simple. But it's hard to charge a hundred bucks a half hour for that. Okay, look, let me help you. If you are you sitting? Near, some of you are sitting near the center aisle there. Some of you are sitting near the end of the aisle. We had pews that sat in here. If we got this, we got the carpet, and then we put our old pews down for about a year. And now the old pews are gone, and there's new pews in. The old pews are gone. They're gone. They're not putting any weight. They're not putting any pressure on this carpet. But you can see indentations where the old pews were. In time, those will work their way out. It'll take some time. But you know what you have to do to, to get those to work themselves out? Just don't put the old pews back on that spot. 
I don't have to sit on the floor and say, well, how do you feel about having had all that weight on you? It's gone. Well, how did you feel when, when the, the weight of the pew was on you and not three inches farther up on that part of the carpet? Did it bother you? Did you feel mistreated? Did you, were, did you, do you sense that you were oppressed for some reason? It's, the pew's gone. Pop back up. Get on with your life, carpet. There are some things that have happened to me that knocked me down. There are some things that have happened to me that have made some marks on me. There are things that have happened to me that, it, that it's going to take a while for those things to work themselves out. So what? What are you going to do today? Obey the Bible? Or turn on a bunch of gabbing unsaved reprobates on the TV and listen to talk about how the old puritanical values, how they oppressed women and, and kept minorities under it, and how we're so mistreated. What are you suffering from today? Oh, are you a victim today? Our next victim is coming out to tell us about her victimhood and how she suffered under the oppressive hand of... Get over it, everybody! That's what the women watch. The men watch the news. There's an auto accident down on State Road 44. There were three victims. Uh, plants burned in the front yard yesterday when a barbecue got out of control. Let's interview the victim. Uh, the school students are suffering because there's an FCAT test, and they actually have to prove they can read. And we're going to interview the parents of children victimized by the test. Victim, 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 victimized, victimized, victim. The victim said, interviewing the victim, there were three victims... You don't believe me? You go home watch the news. Fifteen minutes, the first sentence will be victim. The first story will be victim. We'll go to the reporter in the field who will interview the victim. The whole thing is designed to convince you everything in life is out to get you and you deserve better. Okay, you ready? Come on, you ready? Now we, now we, so we got that? We got that first offensive, mean-spirited, hateful bit of preaching out of the way. Now we're ready for another one. You don't. It's because you're a Native American. <laughs> Oppressed minority. All right. Here, here's why my grandparents got through a depression without medication. And why my parents got through a depression and a world war without psychotropic drugs. Because up until this generation, nobody thought they were entitled to a life without trouble. But when you raise a generation of people to believe because of their special wonderfulness, because of their magnificent you, nothing in your life should ever go wrong. Nothing in your life should ever be hard or difficult. Now, anything in your life that requires a little extra effort is no longer something for you to deal with. It's something for us to medicate so you don't have to deal with. Or it's something for us to pass a law so that all the people who don't have to deal with what you have to deal with have to pay for you to deal with it without trouble. You know what used to happen when people were, were scraping shingles off a roof? People used to look up and say, wow, they're scraping shingles off a roof. Maybe I shouldn't walk over there. Now we have to put a perimeter fence around the property. We have to put yellow tape up. We have to put orange barricades up. We have to post a warning sign, danger, a shingle could fall on your head. And we have to, have to come in and check the air quality to make sure there was nothing in the shingle when it slid off the roof that might cause a particle to get in your nostril and make you sneeze. Your grandparents would have said, if you're dumb enough to walk under the eave of a house where they're scraping shingles off the roof, you need to get hit in the head so you learn not to do it again. 
Tell them the truth. I'm going to sue you. Why? Well, you didn't give me a warning that if I ate ten boxes of cereal, I might puke. Warning. If you eat ten boxes of this in a half hour, it might make you sick to your stomach. You know what? If you've got to have that on the box, you deserve to be sick to your stomach. But that's the day and age in which we live. Now, the Bible. Anybody remember the Bible? Okay, the Bible. James chapter 5. James chapter number 5. And verse number 16. James 5, 16. Confess your faults one to another. The modern Bibles change that to sins. Confess your sins one to another. We don't go in a confessional and tell anybody about our sins. We sure don't get together and fellowship and tell each other about our sins. We have a hard enough time getting along with each other while we're pretending to be somewhat sanctified. We started confessing our sins to each other. Everybody would stay home. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. You know what the Bible just said to everybody who reads it? You're defective. That's what it said. Your fault may be emotional. Your fault may be physical. Your fault may be educational. Your fault may be uh, um, with coordination. Your fault may be with learning. There's not a person here who isn't defective. We don't need to turn you into a minority group who are not defective but special. And we don't need to pass a law so that people don't say to you, Why? How come you're... Because this is the way God made me. Well, yes, but uh, that seems like a special disorder. There must be some way we can get some funding for you. Well, how are we going to get that? We're going to put a gun to the head of people at work and take it from them. I have faults. I'm defective in certain areas of my life. You are defective in certain areas of your life. You know what people did for thousands of years? They either went to God and dealt with it, or they went to a whiskey bottle and dealt with it, or they just were weird. Now, nobody's supposed to be defective. Nobody's supposed to be different. Nobody's supposed to be limited. Nobody's supposed to have handicaps in their life. And so we've got this great billion-dollar effort through false education and through taxation to try and level this field so that everybody's okay. And everybody's not okay. When we find areas where we're not okay, we have to blame it on Darwin. It couldn't possibly be sin. It must be a genetic defect. And this genetic defect will either be compensated for by money through a special designation or it will be dealt with through giving you some sort of drugs to either make you normal or to hide your, your abnormality. I'm not trying to be mean-spirited. I have before me a list, a partial list, of mental and psychological disorders according to the American Psychiatric Association. Adult disorders, common disorders, number one, alcohol and drug abuse. That's not a disorder. That's something you pay money for. Ah, uh, yeah, hey, hey, Bill, good to see you tonight. How you doing? I'm doing okay. Uh, what do you have? Uh, give me two leukemias and a cancer. All right, coming right up. Nobody goes, nobody goes to a bar and orders cancer. Uh, what do you have? Uh, give me... Uh, now, let's see. Give me two dyslexias and a slight dose of mental retardation. Okay, you got it. What do you have? Give me some whiskey. 
Oh, you have a psychological disorder. No, you have lust in your flesh. The Bible calls it a sin and commands you to not do it. God doesn't call epilepsy a sin and demands you to not be epileptic. He doesn't call deafness a sin and rebuke you for being deaf. But when He rebukes you for being a drunkard and commands you to stop drinking, it's clearly not a psychological disorder. It's a sin. We're just getting started. Alcohol or drug dependence. Now here's how we treat drug dependence. With drugs. Oh, well your problem is that you have this dependence upon narcotics. Um, Go get this filled. What is it? Narcotics. Okay, thanks. Next on the list, anorexia nervosa. That's when you starve yourself. Now, you know why you're starving yourself? Because you're concerned about your appearance. There's no doubt it becomes an emotional problem. There's no doubt it becomes a psychological problem. But it starts out as the lust of the flesh. We all remember Karen Carpenter singing... I won't last a day without food. And that's, no, it was without you, I'm sorry. But, anxiety disorders. You know what the Bible says? Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known unto God. Look, if you're going to, see a, a, to get reports back of a, of a cancer screening, you're going to have some anxiety. If you're going to, uh, you know, uh, stand up and, and speak in front of a group of people the first time, you're going to have some anxiety. You're going to go skydiving, you're going to have some anxiety. You're going to go door knocking for the first time and tell people about Jesus, you're going to have some anxiety. That's life. Experience it, live it, taste it, get a feel for it. Don't medicate yourself into oblivion so you don't feel fear, don't feel pain, don't feel joy, don't feel sadness, don't feel happiness. Well, you know, doctor, I'm afraid. What are you afraid of? Well, I'm I'm afraid of somebody might shoot me. Well, why wouldn't you be? Every night you watch shows about people getting shot. You go to the movie theater and watch movies about people getting shot. You turn on the news and hear reports about people getting shot. I got a cure for your anxiety. Read the Bible. People don't get shot in there, they get stabbed. And <laughs> you don't hear that much about that these days. It's the last time you heard about somebody getting shot with an arrow. <laughs> Atol- adult attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Every boy in my school had attention deficit disorder. And every teacher in our school had a paddle. And it's amazing how that paddle can make you sit still without a prescription. Now, maybe, sister, maybe your husband doesn't have adult attention deficit. Maybe he just doesn't want to listen to you. Maybe it's not that he can't. Maybe it's that he won't. Let me ask you something. Just let's suppose out of 7 billion people in the world, there are some people who have trouble concentrating and have trouble paying attention. What's wrong with that? Why is that a disease? Why don't you just say, well, you know what? I'm going to have to find a job that's constantly changing and requires me to constantly be in motion and doing something with my hands. A desk job would never be for me. Why don't you just say there's certain things I can't do. Let me find out what I can do and do it. Instead of getting on disability and making working people pay you to stay home and twitch. You're insensitive. Maybe. 
Let me ask you something before we keep reading this. Here's, here's what I want to know. If the American Psychiatric Association has listed these as disorders, these are emotional and mental problems that need counseling or med medication, what is the standard of normalcy by which you determine these things are abnormal? What if it's not ADD? What if there's a lot of people out there that are just slugs? What if they're the abnormal people? Why are the people who always want to be active abnormal instead of the people who just want to vegetate? Who decided hyperactivity was abnormal and sitting in front of a video game for 20 straight hours in a chair was normal? If you don't have a standard, how do you determine normal or abnormal? My standard's Jesus Christ. He didn't mention any of this. Well, he mentioned drunkenness. He didn't mention alcoholism. Uh, childhood and teen attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Well, you know, we have a lot more of this HDD among children now than we used to. No kidding. Not something. When I was a kid, you know what I did? This, this when I was a boy. Way back in the dark ages. I'd spend some time sleeping. Then I'd get up and spend some time eating. And then we had this little thing that you wound up. is a, a chair. You sit in a chair and you wind it up. And mom would push it and it would go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And you look at the wall. I'm going to hit it. I'm going to hit it. I'm going to hit it. Oh, no. I'm not going to hit it. I'm not going to hit it. I'm going to hit it. I'm going to hit it. And she'd put you in that because she had work to do. And she'd do her housework, and you'd swing in that swing. And then when the swing, you get tired of the swing, you start crying, she'd take you out of the swing, and she'd sit you down on the ground with a couple of blocks with letters on them that you couldn't read, and she'd do some more work. Okay? And then you got a little older, she'd read books to you, and then leave, and leave the book in your lap, and you'd try to figure out the book. Now, but now, see, all these kids have ADD. You know why? Because they're born, and we sit them in front of a video screen or a Sesame Street screen where bright, colorful images are changing every three seconds, and where rock music is blaring and blasting, and, and the kid's brain is going... <laughs> and after five years of that, you're going to send them to school... And wonder why they can't sit still. <laughs> Their brain's so juiced up on television. Here I am standing. Look, the only way you could get... A kid walks in here, 16 years old, never been in church. You've got to have a light show. You've got to have a rock band. You've got to have dancing girls. The preacher's got to run all over the place and knock people down and blow on them and wave his coat at them and stuff. They couldn't sit there for 30 minutes and listen to a man talk. Not without a double dose. You okay? Yeah. Great. Fine. Now, if a teacher can't paddle the boys, what's, what's the teacher supposed to do? You used to wait till you got in a nursing home and have them do that to you. Now they do it to you in the first grade. Okay, what else we got? Bipolar disorder. Depressive episodes. Manic episodes. Mild manic episodes. Mild hyper-episodes, extreme manic episodes, extreme hyper-episodes, mixed episodes. I had all that. When I have a hyper-episode, my dad would have a hyper-belt episode. And then I'd have a manic episode. It's like, it was like bipolar all shoved into this 10-minute window there. 
why is it abnormal to be extremely happy sometimes, extremely sad sometimes, moderately happy sometimes, moderately sad sometimes, and to bounce back and forth between the two? The car starts, I'm going to a family gathering, the car breaks down. Guess what? It greatly affected my mood. I get out, I raise the hood, I look under the hood, my wife comes out and says, what do you think's wrong? I don't know. Well, do you think it might be? I don't know. Well, is it possible it could be? I don't know. Ask eight more times. I'm not going to know. Now, I don't need a pill for that. I just need the car to not break down. And when it breaks down, I don't need my wife to ask if I know what's wrong. I need her to say, would you like me to walk to the store and get you a drink? (laughs) So she'd never do that. I know, but I'm just saying... Life isn't going to go smooth. It's going to go up. It's going to go down. You're going to be high. You're going to be low. But since people can't cope with life, they want somebody to diagnose them. So I'm not telling anybody to go and throw the pills away. I'm saying, why do you trust that shrink so much and don't trust the Bible? Why don't you put as much confidence in the Word of God as you do that evolutionist you're talking to? All right, bulimia nervosa. That's the opposite of um, anorexia nervosa. Bulimia is when you eat all you want and then give it the old two-finger salute. Can't stop eating. Depression. Listen, Clinton, Bush, Obama. How can you not be depressed? (laughs) Who isn't depressed? (laughs) Come on. Your body hurts, your head aches. People are yelling at you. The boss is unreasonable. Your co-workers cuss all day long. You go to church and the preacher preaches something like this. <coughs> How are you going to get through real life without being depressed? It's not a disorder. The world's in disorder. So, you know, when I get depressed, I just stay down and last there so long. Well, some people have a harder time than others. Seeing the sunny side of life. Not everybody can be like me and Joel Osteen. Just, just <laughs> Mr. Happy-Go-Lucky. Here's one. Generalized anxiety disorder. I'm worried. What are you worried about? I don't know. Was well, anything in particular? No, nothing in particular. Well, why do you think you're worried? Why do you think I'm worried? Everything I buy has a warning label on it bigger than what I bought. Everywhere I I, I go to the lake, warning, alligator, warning, don't eat the turtles, warning, there's amoebas in the mud, warning, a water skier might lose control and run over you, warning, you can get hit by lightning, warning, I just want to swim. Who wouldn't have anxiety in a country like this? You walk down the sidewalk, there's a guardrail on the sidewalk when you go over a one-foot deep culvert. Well, somebody could fall off and, and what? Get their clothes muddy? It's a ditch. It's not the Amazon River. It's a ditch. It's got it's got dollar weed and mud in it. Well, you know, some some senior citizen could come along here in their wheelchair and go off. Well, they could go off the other way and get hit by the traffic. Why don't you put a guardrail all the way down the road? I shouldn't have said that. They'll start putting them up tomorrow. Chris will be out there on the job, checking for gopher turtles and putting up guardrails. 
obsessive-compulsive disorder, then get a job on an assembly line. Go to China and put pins in folded shirts. <laughs> Who does that all day? <laughs> what? You talk about going out of your mind, man. <laughs> Why are they in there anyway? <laughs> Pull 15 of them out, put the shirt on. Oh, man, it's... There's always one more you didn't see. Causes generalized anxiety disorder. Panic disorder. That's a bad thing. I've had panic attacks. You ever had a panic attack? You know what I figure? I figure I have panic attacks because there's a lot in this world that's scary. There's a lot in this world that can go wrong. I come home. I, 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 I start it. My wife, she... We do this all the time. She'll come out. She's, she's hurrying. she got her coffee in one hand. she got her Bible and her stuff in her hand. she got a bag over her shoulder. She's thinking, what am I forgetting? What am I forgetting? What am I forgetting? She walks in front of the car, and I'll blow the horn. <laughs> so that night, we've, we've had church all day. We've had Bible school. I'm riding home on the phone, talking on the phone. I get home. It's pitch black out there. I get all my stuff gathered together. I get out of the car, shut the car door of my leg. I get halfway to the house, and guess who's hiding in the bushes? <laughs> my loving wife. Panic disorder. Anyway, post-traumatic stress disorder, I understand that. I do. War's a terrible thing. It's a terrible thing. Came home from Korea. They came home from World War II. They came home from World War One, and went to work, raised families, paid their bills. People used to fear God. They used to get in the Bible. They used to say, "You know, life's hard. Mine might be harder than somebody else's, but I'm a man. I'm going to deal with it." Schizophrenia. We had a guy, I used to work with a guy, I'm pretty sure he had it. We'd always give him a hard time. We'd ask him if, we, if, he, if he went to a motel, if he got a group discount. <laughs> he started playing golf and said, must be odd you sign up for a foursome and it's just you playing. <laughs> so, look, I know some of these things are real and, pe- and people have real things and people have real problems. We'll do everything we can to help. The Bible says comfort the feeble-minded. If the Bible says comfort the feeble-minded, then God told you right up front some people's minds are not as strong as other people's minds. There's no reason to throw out the Bible and believe a bunch of, bunch of shrinks. Okay, here's, here's, here's some. Depersonalization disorder. What if I just don't want to be around you? Disassociative amnesia. Have we met before? Yeah, I was here last week. I didn't see you. Well, you talked to me. Oh. Must have something on my mind. Um, disassociative identity disorder. That's when you're an ordinary person, then you get in the car and turn the music on, and you become a country star. <laughs> This is, this is great. This is what I've got. Disorder not otherwise specified. It's called NOS. That's me. I've got NOS. In other words, if none of those, the other ones are you, we can medicate you for something. All right. There's a bunch of uh, uh, sexual disorders. Um, here's one. Um, Sexual addiction. The Bible calls that fornication and commands you not to do it. God's not going to command you to not do something you can't, ha- I can't help it. Cicadian uh, rhythm sleep disorder. Um, hypersomnia, insomnia, nightmare disorder. Got that one. 
narcolepsy, sleep terror disorder, got that one, sleepwalking disorder, antisocial personality disorder, got that, avoidant personality disorder, got that, borderline personality disorder, um, don't live close enough to the border, have that. Dependent personality disorder, histrionic personality disorder, multiple personality disorder, see above. <laughs> Narcissistic personality disorder, obsessive compulsive personality disorder. Now, look, we can keep reading all these if we want to. The definitions of these things, if you took time to read them, are so broad that every one of you, everyone sitting here, you are mentally. Um, defective by one of these definitions. Well, who didn't know that reading the Bible? Doesn't the Bible say casting down imaginations? Doesn't the Bible say bringing every thought into captivity to Jesus Christ? Doesn't the Bible say, trust the Lord all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding? Doesn't the Bible say, my ways are higher than your ways, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts, as the heavens are high above the earth? Get over it. You're defective, you're sinful. Sin has hurt our thought life, it's hurt our emotional life, it's hurt our, our physical life. And you know what we do? We go to God, and we find strength in the Lord, and we live according to the Bible, and we stop trying to blame mom, or society, or poverty, or the atom bomb scare, or anything else. It's life. I'm not telling anybody here go throw it, go home and throw out your pills tonight. I'm not. I'm not. I'm just asking you, would you, each time you take them, would you, would you ask yourself, am I as dependent upon the Word of God as I am upon this medication? Do I put as much trust in what the Bible says as I do in what the person who prescribed these pills said? And if, if you're trusting unsaved evolutionists more than you're trusting God, you're not going to find peace. It's not there. You're not going to find satisfaction. It's not there. All right, let's, let's finish up on some Bible stuff here. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians 1. Well, I'd be scared to come talk to you if I had problems. No, no, that's not that. You come and talk to me, I'll, I'll be nice, I'll be gracious, I'll be as understanding as I can be, but I'm going to show you what the Bible says. And then you're going to say, well, you don't understand my particular case, and that's when we're going to have a rub. Because God didn't write the Bible, but He forgot about you. And God didn't write the Bible, and well, it was true until you came along. We had a family here. Um, they came for a while. They had a couple of children. They wouldn't discipline their children according to the Bible. The kids are just wild animals. And the mother said and the father said, well, uh, we'd read the verses about training children. And the mother and father said, well, yes, but my children are special and, and those things don't apply to them. Well, then I'm not meeting with you anymore. Because if you think the Bible's a lie, I can't help you. I believe the Bible is true. Now, one more thing for these verses. If, now, now just think for a minute. If you go downtown Friday afternoon with a sign that says, Trust Jesus and a Bible in your hand, and there are a group of people standing on that corner who have been taught by their professors and their school teachers and their parents and their television that drunkenness is a genetic predisposition. That homosexuality is a genetic predisposition. That, that going home from a bar every night with a different man or a different woman is a disorder. It's a medical condition. If they believe that, you guys are Stone Age, primitive, nut jobs. See, when they say science, we believe in science, they're not talking about just rocks evolving from nothing. 
They're talking about your belief that a man should repent of drunkenness, repent of homosexuality, repent of his, of his despair, and have hope and joy in Jesus Christ and live a righteous life. That's, that's ignorant hillbilly talk. That's what they mean when they say you're not scientific. When you tell somebody you can be born again and God can take that away from you, you're a dangerous person. So you just need to understand, the Bible is so universally rejected by modern man that when you talk biblically, it doesn't matter how nice you greet the visitors. It doesn't matter how beautiful the music was. When the preacher stands in the pulpit and preaches the Bible, it absolutely terrorizes modern thinkers. They, just, they classify us with witch doctors and voodoo and covered wagons and treating people with leeches. for dis- that just, I'm just telling you, we're behind the times. And when they, when they say the times, what they mean is all this psycho stuff. Your problem's sin. It might manifest itself in a lot of different ways, but the problem's sin. And as soon as you turn from sin into Jesus, you're going to start getting better. All right. Ephesians chapter 1. Read a couple of verses. We'll all go home happy. I'm happy. Are you happy? Well, I'm just not happy. Who told you you were supposed to be happy all the time? Look, if every day's your birthday, your birthday quits being a big deal. <laughs> I, I got I, one time I was talking to my dad. I said, "You know something that bothers me? So it just seemed like, you know, we get all this stuff for." A birthday, and we get all this stuff for Christmas. Then the rest of the year is just do your schoolwork and cut the yard and all the rest of that. And he, he, he said, that's what birthdays are for. <laughs> you get presents every day. You don't need a birthday. <laughs> you get presents every day. You don't need a holiday. See, Americans, they're so rich. Well, you know, I went to. I was, I've been working overtime. I need to stop and get the kids something. So, no, you don't. You got them groceries. You got them clothes. You got them a house. You got them an education. Well, they're going to be mad at me if I don't get them something. Well, let them learn to be mad at people. Just, I'm just telling you this. This world, everybody's so stinking spoiled. Well, I got to go see somebody. Well, I'm not happy. Well, you're not happy because you can't run anymore and you can't jump anymore. And look, man, I mean, cheeks used to be up here. Now they're here and just the whole thing's falling apart. Just can't stretch, can't turn. You turn too quick, your neck pops and something goes down your arm. You can't move your arm. Oh, God, I hope that goes away. Deal with it. It's life. Ephesians 1. Why would you long for the rapture if nothing went wrong down here? Why would it be a blessed hope for Jesus to come and get us out of here if here wasn't a mess? Ephesians 1 verse 11. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will that we should be the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. By his counsel, he made a way that we could be saved, go to heaven, have eternal life. What a counselor. Praise the Lord. And Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews 6. Verse 17. Wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of His counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Now you see what your counselor does? He offers you a refuge. 
Why do you need a refuge if they're in a storm? And there's hope set before you. It might not be now. Have you lost a loved one? You're not going to get over that sorrow. And why would you want to medicate yourself out of remembering someone you loved so much? Life hurts. It's difficult. But here's why people don't go to the Bible and why they don't want to go to Bible preaching church. You know what the scripture said? It's impossible for God to lie. Okay, so uh, Levi, come here a second. Have a seat. You know, we've had uh, four of these meetings, and I've, I've listened to your life story, and I've, I've heard what you're saying about your current circumstances, and um, according to all the training I've had and the research that I've done on people with your condition, um, it's my conclusion, you're just plain nuts. You wouldn't go back to a counselor like that. And what I've decided to do is just uh, not see you anymore because you just kind of freak me out. <laughs> and best thing for you to do is just find some people kind of like yourself and just go to conventions and, you know, sit out at night and watch for UFOs and... and uh, you know, follow the voices. Because <laughs> they're not going to stop. <laughs> been, been, been nice uh, doing business with you. Thanks. <laughs> the persons portrayed in this uh, <laughs> program are not real. Anyway, you know why people don't come to God? You know why they don't want the Bible? Because he's going to tell them the absolute truth. You have sinned. You've come short of my glory. You're unrighteous. You keep doing this because you're yielding to the lust of your flesh. You don't want to yield to me. You won't keep your body under subjection. You won't bring your thoughts into captivity. I can give you peace. I can give you joy, but not until you repent. Well, I'm not going back to that church. And they preach hate. Nobody said one hateful word. They just told you to stop making excuses and deal with it so the Lord can help you. Amen. See, we have a counselor who wants to help. Right. Lying doesn't help. Sugarcoating doesn't help. Now, there's a nice way to say it. You don't have to say you're just plain nuts. You can say, well, you have some definite um, maladjustment. But I think over time we could, you know what, if you've been hit by a truck and your leg was broken in eight places and it's got two metal plates and six screws, if I lay you down on the bed and pull, one of your legs is going to be shorter than the other. And I can adjust your spine twice a week till you die, you're going to have one leg shorter than the other. If it helps, go for it. But you know something? You can go see somebody twice a week at $100 a half hour from now to the day you die, and you can take everything they prescribe, but until you get honest with God about your sin and repent of doing things He told you not to do and stop doing what the Bible tells you not to do and start obeying the Scripture and living by the Bible, nothing's going to get any better. He's the counselor with a capital C. His counsel's always right. And I would urge you, and I'm done, to put as much confidence in God as you put in man. To believe the Bible as much as you believe those journals. When God put this in writing 2,000 years ago, not one subsequent study has caused a single verse to be revised. 
if they're not treating it the same this year as they treated it five years ago, they don't know what they're doing. They're experimenting. God's not experimenting. His blood will wash your sins away. His Holy Spirit will give you peace and joy. He's not trying it to see if it'll work. It works. How's that? Well, I don't like that. Well, that's okay. We won't be on that topic again for probably 10 years. Bothers you too much? Take a value. Well, that was live stream, wasn't it? Don't take. <laughs> Wait, we got to go back on.